So welcome to Heartbeat of Humanity, a podcast series for staff and volunteers in the Red Cross, Red Crescent Movement, working with mental health and psychosocial support services. My name is Ars Stefan, and I'm an MHPSS technical advisor working for the IFRC Reference Center for Psychosocial Support. In this episode, we're going to be discussing caring for staff and volunteers within the scope of the eu for health project with Guled Dwele. So probably let's get introduced. <laughs> so Guled, can you tell us a um, little bit about yourself, who you are, and what do you do? Sure, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Guled Dwele. I am also a technical advisor at the Reference Center for Psychosocial Support uh, and the focal point for the African region. I've been working here for the last uh, nine months now. Uh, my previous experience with, with, was with um, MSF and Doctors Without Borders, uh, with postings in the African region and Asia Pacific as well. The last five years in Hong Kong and uh, also have a background in staff health as well. Fantastic. So probably the initial question that I have for you is why caring for staff and volunteers and what is the interlink with MHPSS? So the importance of caring for staff and volunteers, of course, stems from uh, the exposure that our staff and volunteers have uh, within the movement and the importance of also protecting their well-being uh, in terms of um, what they're exposed to and uh, some of the the wonderful work that they're doing. And, and when, uh, when we look at uh, the preventative uh, aspects of um, caring for staff and volunteers, we are setting a lot of things in motion, some, such as the, the policies and the trainings and the tools and the material to prevent uh, aspects such as stress or, or burnout happening, but also more interpersonal clashes that might occur. Um, and also ensuring that our duty of care is something that we, uh, we ensure uh, within the movement. Fantastic. This is great and excellent. Um, so also you've been involved in some working groups, right? So what's happening within the movement linked to the promotion of uh, well-being of staff and volunteers? Yeah, so I'm a participant in the working group number three which is uh, about the protection of uh, the well-being of staff and, uh, and volunteers within the movement. Currently, they have a specific e-learning uh, module, a tool that will be introduced soon, uh, which is about the protection and the promotion of the mental health and psychosocial well-being of staff and volunteers. The target group of this uh, e-learning will be managers and leaders uh, within the movement, but it's all sectors, not only MHPSS, and the e-learning module is divided into three different modules where the first part is around awareness, the second one is assessment, and the third one is toolkits. So when it comes to the awareness part, uh, the actual tool is made of uh, different scenarios that uh, portrays uh, staff and volunteers' uh, health journey. And basically what it should lead to is a guided reflection on the person's experience, its impact on the individual level, the group level, the leadership level, and the organizational level as well. Then when you look into the purpose of the assessment part, that's designed as a questionnaire. And the goal that it has is to start the reflection about the well-being regarding the learner's personal experiences on the individual uh, and the group leadership and the organizational level as well. And the whole e-learning will focus on managers and leaders and providing tools where managers and leaders within the movement, of course, they play a crucial role in supporting their team's mental health and psychosocial well-being. Um, the working group created a toolbox with different tools that will actually be hosted on the PS Senders website. 
for everybody to have access to and utilize throughout. So this e-learning is being introduced in the coming uh, fall Fantastic. of this year. So we're so much looking forward to see it unfolded in the fall 2023, right? Um, so we, you also were involved with IA uh, in a global training that happened in Copenhagen linked to caring for staff, staff and volunteers. So if you can tell us a little bit who was there, what was done, and what were the main challenges that you guys noticed? Sure. So we had the first global training, the first out of four uh, here in Copenhagen, uh, which was caring for staff and volunteers. It was a three-day training uh, here in Copenhagen. And we call it global training because it's uh, open for uh, participants all over the world. We had representation from Asia Pacific and from Africa, but it was predominantly uh, European participants that were in this training. We were roughly around 20. And it was a good training. It was very participatory with various activities from our um, uh, learning book or the, the training booklet that we have, uh, the manual, going through different scenarios. There was a lot of role plays. There was introductions to monitoring and evaluation and setting up systems and elements of psychological first aid as well. Um, I think some of the challenges that we we faced was, of course, it's great with diversity within a, a group of participants, but different national societies have access to to different uh, resources within their national societies. So we had some national societies where Caring for staff and volunteers was not that foreign, and they already had something to build upon. Whereas we had other national societies who really were were starting, were in the beginning uh, stages of uh, of talking about caring for staff and volunteers, and they didn't necessarily have a setup in their national societies to to introduce the things that that we were were talking uh, about in this training. Um, and of course, it would also require a lot of buy-in from upper-level management and the decision makers um, as well. Nice. So those were some of the challenges that we faced. So you you are highlighting the disparities among the national societies when it comes to dealing with staff and volunteers. Th those were definitely some challenges that we faced. I mean, luckily, uh, everybody were in agreement of the importance. Everybody saw the added value and understood the different. Um, modules and scenarios that we had. Um, we definitely also gave space to do some comparisons in terms of what challenges that they have faced before when they wanted to to introduce uh, elements of caring for staff and volunteers um, and also some of the pushback that they have faced before. A lot of the, the discussions were also about um, a lack of prioritization of the specific uh, theme. So we, yeah, it was very lively. It was very interactive. The good thing about the training was that we ended the training with all national societies writing a plan for their next steps where they were able to take the learnings from the training and what they wanted to do going forward um, with uh, the activities that they were introduced to. Who did they need to involve? Could they work on an actual timeline? What would be realistic and so on? Fantastic. And we kind of... We're the dream team in Budapest. Uh, we <laughs> uh, we trained on caring for staff and volunteers also. And I remember that one of the main challenges that uh, we faced was linked to translators and cultural barriers. And it kind of ring, rings a bell for you. So can you say a few words around this? 
Yeah, so the week after we had the global training in Copenhagen, I was uh, invited to assist you, Aris, in uh, Budapest for the same training, but for a different uh, group of individuals, mainly the ones who were from the EU for Health project. And um, although it was the same training, uh, we had a little bit of a different approach to it uh, within the same theme. But one of the topics that came up was around um, translators and interpreters and the some of the challenges that they were faced in uh, when they were working and it was more about what they were exposed to and a lack of understanding of their role that it's not necessarily just them translating directly what is being said it is something that also affects them so sometimes when they are translating for whoever that it might be the story that they're that they're telling might be their own t story because there's so such a close proximity to to what they're sharing uh, in terms of their their experience, so we also wanted to look into including them much more when we were talking about caring for staff and volunteers and ensuring the protection of uh, of these specific profiles as well. Yeah. Yes. Um, and what what we noticed is this. I mean, the Red Cross movement is based on volunteers. And so ensuring that there is this barrier between the personal involvement and the volunteering work is essential to safeguard uh, their well-being. Absolutely. Fantastic. Then we went into, again, the same exercise, develop developing action points for the national societies, right? And we, it went into uh, either choosing to, be, to do trainings, <coughs> guidances, uh, engage with the senior management team within their national societies, develop policies, noting that some national societies don't have an HR uh, department, uh, or even the, the simplest idea was to create a working group within staff and volunteer members uh, to promote the well-being of staff and volunteers and ensure that there's a framework uh, that guarantees this. Do you want to add anything around uh, these action points? Well, I guess uh, one of the, the key takeaways that we had from both the global training in Copenhagen and also the one in EU for Health was one of the, the elements that we introduced in the, in the training from the beginning, which is what we call a buddy system. So the buddy system is basically where in the training, and this is of course something that uh, trickles down into when they actually work like their everyday life, is to have a buddy. Somebody ideally from uh, the same department or kind of doing the same thing that they're doing. So in the training, we just randomly paired them up uh, as a buddy throughout the training. And it doesn't cost anything. It doesn't uh, require much other than, you know, uh, you being willing to be buddied up with somebody. And everybody can do it. And what the buddy system does is that it really helps in aspects of... Uh, prevention you know you'll have somebody that you can talk to before it might escalate whatever the situation might be to to something a little more severe it can be just checking in have you had breakfast today how are you doing um is uh is there any I, you seem a little distant today somebody who'll just check in on you but also more an aspect of uh something related specifically to the work that you're doing if you don't feel comfortable about an interpersonal there's like some tension in the team you have somebody that you can rely on if you don't feel comfortable raising something in um, in a team meeting or or in a forum of uh, of a wider group maybe your buddy can support you in that or if you just need like a sparring partner or a listening ear um, 
in that sense, it can always be really good with a buddy system. And with both the evaluations that we did of both trainings, that was the one that really, really was highlighted as uh, something that they enjoyed and something that they wanted to carry forward to their national societies. Fantastic. And then we did lots of role plays, right? Asking the advisors, coordinators, managers, team leaders to also play the role of volunteers. We definitely did. In uh, the EU for Health especially, we ensured that all the role plays, that the participants got to play the role of a volunteer, but also as a supervisor or a team leader, just to introduce them to both aspects of uh, what those roles actually entail and, and you know what the pressures can be that they can um, uh, be exposed to. But more importantly, for, for them to, to understand that caring for staff and volunteers is not something that trickles down only from the top, Everybody has a role to play to ensure that you have a working environment or an environment generally where you can thrive and where you can feel comfortable that caters to your well-being. So with the, the role plays that we did, we had different scenarios with uh, interpersonal challenges. There were organizational uh, problems and challenges. There were individual challenges. So we really went through all different avenues um, with, the, with various scenarios. Uh, and followed them up with uh, with like a, a talk with the participants as to how it made them feel, uh, if it was something that they could recognize. And those conversations usually open up to examples where once you have that group of people and they start sharing their, their experiences and their examples, you look around and you can see people are nodding or they're giggling a little bit because there's so much that they can recognize in one another. Yeah, great. And we also talked about um policies right about uh, safeguarding policies um uh, hr policies so on and so forth um and for you uh, does it is it essential to have these policies in place it definitely is i mean i would also say that one of the good things about these uh, well this particular training is that it's not a, a specific technical training like it's something that uh, you can have different profiles. It doesn't have to be MHPSS people only. And it's actually important that you mix the participants to elevate the discussions uh, and, and make it um, just a, a little more dynamic, I would say. We had uh, both in the global training, but also in the training in Budapest for the EU Health Project, profiles of HR, uh, learning and development. We had staff members, we had volunteers, we had MHPSS people, we had people from the protection and, and so on. And what that actually gave, um, uh, primarily with the HR and, and learning and development people, was that you know they could give some inputs in terms to what goes into a policy, what is actually realistic, uh, what is the timeline of getting things done, what is uh, the what happens behind the camera, you know, when you raise these things. So we kind of got insight into that, which really helped and elevate the discussions uh, a lot. And they were also really able to input some good points when we're talking about action points and next steps, like who do you go to? Who, how do you get buy-in? How do you present you know, data when it comes to getting people on board with uh, setting up a system uh, related to caring for staff and, and volunteers? So that diversity of profiles also really, really helped uh, the understanding of why a policy is important, uh, how a policy is written, and um, how do you how do you advocate for for um, caring for staff and and, and volunteers uh, on an organizational level? Fantastic. Probably one last point before we conclude is also there is a point around feedback mechanisms uh, that were raised, and I don't I want it to be very complex and complicated. But 
what comes to our mind when when we talk about uh, feedback mechanisms? I think what comes to to my mind is is of course um, confidentiality. Um, trust is always key when it comes to feedback mechanisms. You know, I remember from previous experiences where feedback mechanisms or or whistleblowing mechanisms were were set up, where um, somehow information trickled out and and people starting knowing who reported what and who did what and there was this intense fear of retaliation and what that actually ended up doing was that nobody wanted to report anything because there was no trust in the mechanisms that were set up so ensuring that you know confidentiality is uh, is is definitely something that is um uh, key and um, but also clearly explaining How, how do you report something or how do you give feedback? If I have some challenges with my direct line manager, which would normally be the one I would go to if I was facing something, where do I then go? And what is the process? And is it clear to me? And um, yeah, I, I think that's that's what comes to mind. Fantastic. This is very important indeed. Um, let's uh, uh, conclude here. Uh, thank you very much. And it reminds us of the importance of duty of care. Uh, within uh, the movement in general, that even volunteers and uh, staff are equally concerned by uh, the protection of the organization uh, and the promotion of their well-being. You have been listening to Heartbeat of Humanity, a podcast series of Red Cross, Red Crescent Movement staff and volunteers about mental health and psychosocial support. In this episode, we talked about caring for staff and volunteers within the scope of the eu for health project with Guled Duele. You can find more resources about mental health and psychosocial support on the IFRC Psychosocial Center website. Resources include manuals, webinars, policy documents, program materials, educational videos, and information about upcoming trainings. So my name is Ars Stefan, and I hope you enjoyed listening to this Heartbeat of a Humanity podcast. Remember that mental health matters. <laughs>